Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Directing traffic from the base of the ruck, it's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Rugby Run on SCNZ. Coming up to one minute after one, you are listening to SENZ. It is the rugby run. Mark Watson in for Ricardo Ball alongside of me, a man who played 10 tests for the All Blacks, uh, former Auckland Blues halfback Steve Devine. Afternoon to you, Steve. Yes, good afternoon to everyone at home as well. Um, always good to kick off a bit of Chris Cornell. Yeah, always. Did you have or... a favourite song? And nah, you, were you I'm one just... of those guys that would sit down, same playlist before a so nah, the game to get yourself amped up? No, nah, I didn't really need to get myself amped up. I, I was more trying to calm down, I think, uh, with me. So, yeah, I didn't really get into my music uh, before games. Just um, just like to, yeah, clear the head and think about what I needed to do. Superstitions? Uh, same pair of undies. Um, um, always always get outside early and uh, do a bit of do a bit of kicking, do a bit of extra kicking before the before the rest of the team was uh, was my thing. I always found if I had a good sleep. Uh, day of the, for, an, for a night game, I found if I had a good uh, sleep after lunch, I, I'd, I'd play well. Yeah, it's interesting though, isn't it? And we're sort of going here early, but it's amazing how you can establish your own pre-game or pre-race protocols through, sometimes by default, but through trialling things. Um, and everybody is slightly different. And good coaches will allow coaches athletes to prepare in different ways yeah I just find if I, if I had a sleep I meant I was relaxed and uh, I was ready to go but if I if I struggled to sleep I was a bit uptight and yeah always uh, always found it to be on the relaxing side of things before don't play the game before you play the game is, is a good lesson mm. now the telephone number because we want you to be part of the show I think Talkback is a better experience if you are part of the show is 0800 150811 0800 150811 is the number. You can text your thoughts through here on 8833. Now, we're going to put the spotlight and focus a little bit more on the MPC. This hour, in the second hour, we're going to put a little bit more of a focus on the Bledisloe Cup and the build-up to that Thursday night in Melbourne. Strange time. I'm just trying to think when a Bledisloe Cup was played outside of a Friday, a Saturday or a Sunday. Yeah, a bit of a strange one. I think they ran into a COVID Got the better of them um, for the uh, Wallabies uh, offered a test to Melbourne and COVID hit, so they owed them a test and they wanted it this year, but then realised that the Aussie Rules finals are on, so they were a bit out of luck. It had to be it had to be the Thursday mm-hmm. night. 
Okay, and uh, look, and then after three o'clock, we are just going to preview the third Chapel Hadley One Day International, as well as just looking at some motorsport big day tomorrow in IndyCar. Scott Dixon, Scotty McLaughlin still in the mix, trying to win the overall championship. David Turner on the programme round about 3.30. Right, Steve, we were just sort of um, sitting out there prior to coming on air and we're talking about the NPC and sort of how even it's been and maybe some teams that historically we haven't given a lot of credit to are stepping up. And you've made some interesting points. It's the sides that have a nuclear super rugby players are the sides that are going to do well in this competition. Big game this afternoon, 4.35. It is Canterbury hosting Northland. Now, every other year you'd say, well, hey, money's on Canterbury. They'll win this by 30. That is not the case. Northland, the surprise package. What has impressed you about them? Um, yeah, I just think they're playing well together. They've got uh, they've got a really good ten uh, with with Ray Hanna uh, playing the playing at ten and running the cutter. He's he's strong. He's big. He carries hard. He's got a great kicking game. Uh, and um, yeah, they've just they're just they're just a good pack. They've got a little bit of mixture of Super Rugby players in there. So I mean, they just they just rumble um, semi knock at the back at nine. So they've got. Good people in key positions. I've been really impressed by Rob Rush at um, at six. He's 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 an athlete. He's a big, strong boy, and um, yeah, I would be very surprised if he's not picked up by a super team this year. Mm, Tom Robinson also. Tom, well, yeah, last week Tom Robinson came off the bench due to, due to the um, the efforts of um, the boys that are playing up there. So um, yeah. Josh, could you another one? Yeah, on these. Yeah, I mean, Super Rugby, right? Uh, sorry, NPC Rugby. You, you, You've got some young kids who haven't had a lot of rugby experience. So if you can get key people um, that are super rugby players, you, you're going to go a long way to, you know, to to winning. And that's just that's just the way it is. You, you know, that experience really at a, at NPC level, the experience really comes through. And if you've got the key positions, hooker, you know, you've got a good solid front row for your set piece and a, and a hooker and some Lucy's and, um, you know, 9-10, you're you're going to be there or thereabouts, I reckon. Chuck a chuck a solid fullback at the back, and you're gonna you're gonna go pretty well. Okay, let's just run through the results of round six. Uh, Waikato Friday night getting up and beating Auckland thirty fifteen. They remain unbeaten. They've played six, they've won five, and that first up draw I think against Hawks Bay in the very first round of the competition. We then had Hawks Bay defending the Ranfurly Shield comfortable over Southland in the finish sixty nine twenty four. North Harbour Bay of plenty. It was almost a game of touch. Neither side. Really seem to want to tackle. North Harbour at home, 34. Bay of Plenty, too good, running out 48 points to 34. And then we've just had, well, we had Counties Manukau beating Manawatu, 41-33, which means uh, in around about an hour's time, we've got Tasman taking on Taranaki. We've got Wellington taking on Otago. And as the game we alluded to at 4.35, Canterbury taking on Northland. Steve, I watched Auckland. I've seen them lose now to Northland. And you, you've stated how good Northland are and we shouldn't underestimate how good this team is. Saw them lose to Bay of Plenty. We've now seen them get beaten up by Waikato. It's it's an indictment on rugby in New Zealand's largest city. It, it says to me, if these are the best players that are coming out of the Gallagher Shield, coming out of club rugby, then club rugby's in real trouble. Because I thought the standard and the way Auckland play is appalling. Yeah, Auckland didn't have their best game. Um, they're a good team when they get it right. Um, but, yeah, they, they've struggled. You know, the performance against the Tony Vars last week was, was on par. It wasn't It wasn't a great performance. But, um, yeah, I think um, Friday night's game, they, they were well below their best. They they didn't look sharp. There was a lot of drop ball. They were, 
inconsistencies with um, winning their own ruck ball. So yeah, listen, it wasn't their best game. I, I wouldn't throw I wouldn't throw them out of it just yet because when they get it right, I okay. I, well, I just know that firepower well, can, can be okay, there. Okay, well let me. And we've got Graham on the line. We'll come to you shortly, Graham. But let me throw it this way then. What do you make of Auckland Club Rugby? Auckland Club Rugby, uh, yeah, it's probably not to the standards where it should be. Um, it's it's yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a street fight. But but it's on a decline, isn't it? It has yeah. been on a decline for some time. Can yeah. you see this competition run, going back to its glory days? Uh, oh, I would hope so. Like it, it'd be good. It is. It, you know, most of the world rugby players come out of this school and this club competition down here, right? So historically, uh, though, yes, I just think we need to put it. We, we need to take the emphasis away a little bit from first 15 rugby and we need to make it club rugby. And I've spoken to a few guys that are involved with club rugby pretty high up and they're all in agreement. As soon as as soon as soon there's TV coverage of school rugby, that, that's then the pinnacle for a lot of those kids. That's and, the stepping stone to higher honours? Oh, that's it. They, they've played their first 15 rugby. They've been on TV and, and they're, they're happy to move on. It's very hard for some of these kids to come out of the facilities they have at their schoolboy rugby then they can go to club rugby and not even have a cold shower have a muddy field, you know, it's just like the club rugby facilities uh, around Auckland are what they were in 1960. Okay. And it's and that that is that is a huge problem to me. Okay, so you've talked about schoolboy rugby. Now, you've also been a big advocate, and I know you've had your own issues with the concussion side of it. Are we still doing enough in that area? Do you see progress being made in that area for mums to want their sons to keep playing rugby and and now women of course yeah there's there's some pretty good protocols around now and and it is um you know if in doubt you you're on the side of caution and you you have a rest now if if a kid gets anyone gets a concussion it's not a career-ending injury it's a you need to give the brain some time to heal and recover and as long as we're doing that then everything's pointing in that you know there's there's no real major danger all right once if you've had enough, uh, once you start to get repetitive, uh, symptoms start to hang around, then then that's a sign. But for most kids playing rugby on the weekend, the the impacts up until sort of under thirteens, fourteens, the impacts are not really that big to to warrant um, serious head injuries. So I think mums and everyone can relax a little bit. We are getting it. We're, we are a whole lot better than what we used to be. Now, before we go to Graham, then, so uh, let me just bring us back to what I believe to be a lack of quality amongst the club competitions in Auckland. I'm going to say the same about North Harbour. North Harbour, again, um, beaten up badly uh, yesterday by Bay of Plenty. Counties Manukau had a win, but they had a win over Manawatu, and everybody's beating up on Manawatu. No one really rates Counties Manukau. So if you take Northland, you take Auckland, you take Counties, you look at what's been happening at all black level, can we draw a correlation? Yeah, I mean, it hasn't, um, you know, the Blues, the Blues, um, the region had a pretty good super campaign this year, and you know they're they're doing some things pretty well. So, mate, can can rugby get better in Auckland and in the northern regions? Yes, it can. Um, we we need to start. Hopefully, we're going to see a bit of money from this Silver Lake deal. Start to hit a few rugby clubs around around the place. So, I mean, it's let's just let's take away the competition. I, I'm not a big fan of competition, at, particularly at school level. I'm all about participation, and we just. We just need kids playing rugby, particularly after school. We need to enjoy the game, enjoy what they do at school, and then fall into a, a rugby club and, and then play rugby from there. And that, 
participation for me at the, at the earliest stages is way more important than who wins and who loses. Now, now, I'm only, and I'd love your thoughts out there in Radio Land on 0800 150 I'm only talking from my experiences here in Auckland. What I'm saying, you might feel, is the same scenario throughout Hamilton, throughout Tauranga, um, down there in Napier, um, Hastings, uh, right throughout the entire country. Or you might come from a region and go, no, part of the reason why we are good is that we're the one union which has managed to have a good, strong club structure. We've got the concussion issues right. We've got a nice balance at Schoolboy Rugby. I'd just love to get your thoughts on this one. Um, 0800 150 Graham, good afternoon. Welcome. G'day, Mark. How are you both? You good? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, no, I was at the, uh, before I get on to the club and provincial rugby, yeah, I was at the women's final yesterday at Rugby Park. Yeah, great send-off for Kendra Coxedge and uh, Steph Tower of to our fox, yeah, especially Kendra Cox, you know, she went out with, um, you know, all guns blazing, you know, virtuoso performance, yeah, it was really, really good, really good atmosphere down there, so. What sort of crowd turn up? Oh, well, a few thousand, yeah, it was at Rugby Park, obviously, because they chose that rather than Orange Theory Stadium, which is where I'm going to later to watch the men play, but, um, yeah, that was a good choice, more intimate, and, um, yeah, it yeah, it makes a difference. Is it starting? Yeah. Is it starting to get some momentum in Canterbury? Are people as proud of the women's team as they oh, are? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, or, is definitely it, or, is it, or is it still just a niche following amongst the absolute diehard rugby fans? Oh no, it's, it's expanded. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know, everyone loves winners, don't they? You know, you're just talking about, you know, the Blues doing, you know, making the final um, before, you know, um, you know, and you got great crowds up there for those games, you know. So, um, yeah, no, and it's been they've been winning a few years now, and they lost last year to Waikato in the final. So, and um, yeah, it was a bit of an edge to it. So, yeah, it's definitely no, it's definitely expanded. I see a lot of the same people going to men's and women's. Yeah. Uh, Canterbury games, yeah. Um, I, I just to see the crowd today, though. It's pretty cold and windy, typically still in Christchurch, but yeah, it should be a, re- a reasonable crowd. But um, yeah, on the club rugby, um, yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, I, I think, yeah, the, the people tell, I go to quite a few club games, but not, not every weekend, but yeah, the standard's pretty good here. It, 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 it fluctuates a lot with clubs. Um, yeah, I notice, you know, like, one club here, you know, was in the final last year, Burnside, and, and got beaten by Maris Alban, and they didn't even win a game this year. So um, a lot of that happens. Uh, some teams are sort of, I won't mention it, sort of, you know, stuck at the bottom, and, you know, you get the top six teams, you know, fighting it out for the final. Um, but, yeah, I think rugby's in pretty good heart at club rugby level. I mean, I think the schoolboy thing, emphasis is a general... Um, thing though you're both talking about I think they're trying to sort of emphasise club rugby more I think um, you know for instance a lot of Crusaders were allowed to play when they weren't getting game time etc and that that helps because as we know with provincial rugby they they get handicapped um, <clears throat> by the All Black selectors pulling players out that aren't even in the 22 you know so um, yeah the standard's pretty good here but I mean um, I think that you know I, I don't think it, the standard is, is what I mean I, I can go back to <laughs> Like you can with the Gallagher Shield in Auckland, you know. I remember club finals, and you know you'd end, you'd have uh, 15 Canterbury players, you know, you know, split between some teams, you know. Um, mm. I remember a Glenmark University club final, uh, champions of champions, as they call it, you know. And then, you know, Dean's brothers were playing for, and the Earls were playing for Glenmark, and Warwick Taylor and all them were playing for University. You know, the, the sad thing is you 
you're not going to go back to that. The same with you in Auckland with, you know, like mm-hmm. Kerwin and all them played for Marist and, you know, Fox for University and all them. So, yeah, that, 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 that's really dented it. But I think some areas are better than others. I am a bit surprised to hear, though, that the Auckland Union, you know, is as bad as that at club level, though. I mean... I would have thought it'd been very strong. Well, I that's, that's, of... I'll throw that over back over to you. So that I mean, that's my impression. But I'll be honest, I'm not as close to it as perhaps Steve Devine is. Uh, I've coached at um, Ponsonby Rugby Club for you know not not in the last two years, but um, sort of over the last fifteen years or so. I used to get more worried about the kids drowning on a Tuesday, Thursday night at training on the outer fields training um, than getting injured because you know the state of the fields, no lights, muddy. You know, it's just it just makes it hard to keep kids involved when you're it's cold, it's rainy, it's wet, and you run around in the mud, no lights, um, poor facilities. You know, it's just for me like Ponsby is one of the bigger rugby clubs in Auckland, and um, probably the worst facilities um, definitely in, in the in this city, and probably most cities around around New Zealand. So, you know. Th- we we spoke off here about the Silver Lake deal. We, we we are desperate desperate need of spending some cash on on our rugby clubs to keep people to keep our communities um, you know it, it, with facilities. Yeah, hey hey Graham, look, I've got to move on, but thank you for your call. All the best against Northland. Both Steve and I, to be honest though, mate, are, are going for Northland this afternoon. Hey, <laughs> lovely to have you on the program as always, mate. Uh, I do appreciate it. Sixteen and a half minutes after one. Telephone numbers oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. The focus this hour very much on the MPC, and we've sort of segued a little bit into perhaps why Auckland are not what they once were, North Harbour struggling, counties, well, they seem to be, along with Manawatu, the easy beats in this comp. Can we put it down to um, a not a very strong club competition, too much emphasis on schoolboy rugby? If you want to have your say, love to hear from you. 800 You can text us here on double eight double three. No Bumfa, no Justin Marshall, no Ricardo Ball, two very good-looking, distinguished gentlemen, though. Steve Devine, Mark Watson um, <laughs> with you throughout the afternoon on the rugby run through to 3 o'clock. We'd love to get your thoughts on 0800 Jump on the phones. I know it is a nice day around the country and everybody's probably out enjoying, hopefully listening. Had some very good texts that have come in, Steve. I'll get you to comment on. So JD's text and said, Mark and Steve, very disappointed by the standard of this year's secondary school's top four. Skill's OK, but a real lack of intensity. I hope this is not the start of a trend. I I mean, I haven't watched a lot. I thought the Auckland comp was one of the weakest I've seen for a long time this year. Yeah, that, that was it was pretty up in the end. I, again, I, I feel I feel schoolboy rugby goes to if you have two or three big strong boys, you tend to come out more times than not on the better side of things. If you have a you know a pretty dominant back row and a and a big centre or something like that, you tend to be getting over the advantage line pretty easy. And you know, I just feel skills at that level are not prioritised above uh, size and mass. Unfortunately, I, I think we do a lot of. Um, you look at a lot of the game plans across the teams, and it's pretty much just it's rugby league. Almost, unfortunately, you're just using your big boys to to run straight. Um, there's not a lot of deception. There's not a lot of second man plays. You know, it's just I don't I don't I don't find I don't find it to be skillful. I think I think our schoolboy rugby level should be more skillful than just um, rugby league. But see, I think that is the problem with the schoolboy rugby is that you're saying that because size is part of the reason why a lot of kids get in first 15. Size is a big reason why a certain school might do well. And so you're going to use size. You're going to use size just to basically move bodies, get across the advantage line. And then the problem with that is they're not being tested at a school, at a club level 
And then often when they get through the school, size is no longer um, a point of difference and we find out a lot of our players are one-dimensional. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the uh, 85kg weight class yep. in New Zealand and, it, you know, it needs to, I think... This year they're doing a national 85s club thing, which is pretty cool. I just think that's a great but, way to but, keep our littler kids playing rugby. Yeah, but see, see, they have that national under 85 thing. Why not do it with the clubs? Why not follow I think the they same have model? This year. But why not do it with the same model? With so the winners of the Gallagher Shield go on and take the winners down there in Wellington and stop. You know they do it well with the secondary school. They're doing it well with the 85s. Let's do it with the club comp. Yeah. Let's televise it. Let's make club rugby as we've talked about the stepping stone. Make that the focal point. Just on that, when you're absolutely at your fittest, at your best, what was your weight? I'd like to be in around 80. Okay, so you would have played eighty fives, eh? I actually had a game in Auckland eighty fives uh, one weekend. It was it was good Did fun. You play prop or halfback? I didn't want to play halfback. Uh, the worst thing about it, and I'm still gutted to this day, that um, the other teams I played for Marist down against East Tamaki, and the other team turned up and they're like, we don't have a lot of reserves, and we got one or two that might be just over. So do you mind if we don't weigh in? And we had one or two that might have been just right on right on the side of 85 as well and they're like instead of us going for a, a 5k run before we weigh in uh, we'll just call it off and just play it how it is so we didn't get to weigh in which gutted me because I was well under I was well under 85 but yeah great footy um, great fast footy and um, you know it was but, but that's the thing isn't it because what that encourages as you said that so you get those kids that might go through puberty later in school or just simply don't develop as early as other kids but it then gives them a pathway, it gives them the opportunity to develop the skills. And New Zealand rugby's always been strong, and particularly, and you see it more down on the South Island still, where you don't tend to have the Polynesian and Māori influence as much. And those kids do tend to mature a lot earlier. And so you develop the skill set, and you know you can always build the player later on. Yeah, and that's I, been the strength of New Zealand rugby. I couldn't, and that's why that's why I'm a big fan of 85. So I think the schools, particularly in Auckland, need to get into because there are kids that are just they don't want to play the big schools because. They're just going to get beaten senseless because they are big kids. Like uh, Sacred Heart, I think for the last four or five years, front row has been heavier than the All Black front row. Yeah, that's five years running for a schoolboy team. You know, that's we're talking crazy size yeah. here, and you might have a, you know, a sixty kilo. <laughs> Little well, it's always, it's always been that thing, isn't it? the Conrad Smith, the Andrew Mertens? They probably would never have made it playing in Auckland. Yeah, quite possibly, yeah. and um, you know, because they would have been put off. Yeah. And yep. they wouldn't have been picked for rep Even, teams because rep teams are all just full of big kids. And that's what I do like about what North Harbour have done. We're not going to have rep sides. And I don't disagree with it. If you are going to have rep sides, have an open weight, but also have a restricted weight. So you do encourage, as we say, those lighter kids, reward them, but keep them in the game. Yep, 100% has to be about participation. And the more kids we can keep in the game for the longer, the better. And by having a weight-restricted age group level, uh, competition just keeps more young kids in footy and that's what we need Okay let's have a look at a couple more texts that have come in um, Hi lads, no I'll just take this one first because I do want to touch on the Roger Tuivasa shit text that's come in but more in a slightly um, wider capacity Hey guys, Auckland are just poorly selected, especially in pack why bring, an Auss- why, uh, why, bring to, why bring two Aussies in uh, hopefully Alama Iramir in the last season in charge. Like to Steve Stephen Bates get the top job. As for club rugby, it's hit and miss, um, but still enjoying it. That comes from Ken. Yeah, sorry, Ken, I can't uh, agree with you, you know. No, you don't have to. But. The, old, the old Aussies, I, I, I was lucky enough to be a, a young Aussie that was brought in. Yeah, so. You're an intelligent one. 
Most intelligent Aussie I've ever met, to be fair. Yeah. I mean, our game's still about giving giving kids an opportunity, right? Um, MPC uh, is now about giving kids an opportunity. You get a few old heads there and you get um, some kids straight out of school, some kids um, straight out of sort of 20 system. So it's about opportunities. The more people we get opportunity, the better for, I believe. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't hmm. get upset that Aussies have been bored, eh? Hey, Mark, big issue with referee numbers around the country in Wellington last week. We had three separate college tournaments. That comes from Josh. Look, I encourage people, um, if you want to be involved in the game, take up refereeing. Um, there's some really, really good programs in place now across all of the unions. There's been a lot of work done in this space. Um, and don't have any preconceived ideas of what it might involve and that perhaps you might not be good enough. They have tried to remove as many barriers to encourage people in. And so... Josh, all I'm saying is really, if you're out there, you want to take up rugby refereeing, they do need them, and the sport can't exist without you. And again, if you're a young guy or young person and you want to have a pathway, there are pathways through to being a top international referee as well. You don't have to be a former All Black to do it. I I used to hate referees when I was playing footy. And but you're a halfback, mate. You're an inherent thing is to job. hate, hate, but hate. I've since have to referee a little bit with coaching the last few years. If we don't have a ref, then, you know, a coach will, will, will ref. And I actually quite enjoy it. And I know there's a lot of guys that are, are finished up with their club rugby. They can't play club anymore. They get a lot of injuries and they get into refereeing and they really enjoy it. Um, have spoken to a few refs this year and um, they're just they're just – Guys that are, you know, mm. unfortunately can't play club rugby too much anymore, and and have taken up refereeing, and they they really enjoy it, and it's it's a good Saturday um, Saturday morning fitness session for them, and they go out and they have a bit of fun. They're not playing, but they're they're involved with kids' footy, and it's it's actually really good. Did you ever have a game where half an hour later you just went home, or an hour later you just went home and thought, God, I was an idiot, and you felt embarrassed by your behaviour and the way you spoke to the ref? Did you ever apologise to anyone, or were you just no, I never. No, I you guys never. are always right, though, aren't you? Always right. That's part of the Australian in you. I always used to, you know. Check. I mean, there's nothing worse than a halfback. And imagine an Australian halfback. I used to check my emails and make sure I was, see if I get an apology <laughs> from the referee, but it, they sort of never happened. Yeah. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. This is the rugby run. Taking your calls, Mark Watson, alongside of me, a man who played ten tests for the All Blacks at halfback, Steve Devine. Looking forward to having your company through to three o'clock this afternoon. It is 26 minutes away from 2 o'clock. You're listening to SENZ, the telephone number 0800 150 We are talking rugby through to 3. After 3 o'clock, we will mix it up. Garth Galloway, cricket commentator on the programme. We will preview and count down to the third ODI being played in Cairns in the Chapel Hadley. How disappointing have the Black Caps been through those first two one-day internationals. And then we'll catch up with David Turner and have a little bit of a chat about the Indy cars and the supercars at Pukekohe. So we'll talk some motorsport between 3.30 and 4. Right, keep your texts coming in. Um, hi, lads. Where to for Roger Tuivasa-Shek? When he got the ball on Friday, he looked all right, but for whatever reason, the ball didn't seem to go his way in that game. He also really seemed to struggle when he was the first one at a ruck that needed a clean out. Just couldn't move people and got penalised a couple of times. Do you think it is just a technique thing or rugby IQ? Maybe um, is second five his best position? Is he going to make it back into the All Blacks, Steve? Yeah, listen, Roger is a super athlete, all right? So... Is he good enough uh, to play the top level? I think 100%. So is 12, 12 is a, t- a tough position, right? It takes 
It takes a few years to get your head around 12. It's a, it's a tough position. You, you are involved in a lot of cleanouts. You are, you know, you, you're doing a lot of work off the ball. Um, it's not, you don't get time and space with the ball. So it's a tough position. Uh, is he playing well? He's playing all right. It just, I just think at ITM Cup level with Auckland right now, he might be just missing a little bit of experience around him. Um, just still in his, um, you know, early days for him. He's just maybe missing a little bit of like a, an older senior head around him just to guide him. Uh, the Auckland team right now haven't been playing as a team that well, I believe. They, you know, they've got the talent. They're just not gelling. Uh, they're just not all on the same page just yet, which is which is causing these little issues at breakdowns and those sorts of things. So, um do I think he'll get back in the All Blacks? Yes, I do. Um, is he good enough? Yes, he is. Um, is 12 his position? 12 is a pretty tough position. I, I would like to see him. I would like to see him maybe give an opportunity at the back. Um, Auckland don't seem to be doing a hell of a lot of kicking from the back. Um, gee. What, taking out a guy like Azan Sullivan? Well, kick, kick Roger the ball. Give him a bit of space. And what does he do in rugby league? Kills everybody. So get him in a position where you can get him some space, I believe. Just get him, get him some space, and he's going to kill opposition. Okay, so I, I want to talk about this because we've seen a very large squad of All Blacks being picked. The Super Rugby final was played on July eighth, uh, June eighteenth, June eighteenth. So, boy, we're talking some serious time. We've had Stephen Perifeta play fifty seconds in a test up until a week and a half or two weeks ago, Roger Tuivasa-Shek playing 10 minutes in a match. Sevu Reese has finally been released. We've had the likes of Lester Fyanganuku. Yes, you can say being in the all-black environment is good, but surely we need our best players playing regularly. Would it not have been in the best interests of Roger Tuivasa-Shek after returning perhaps from South Africa to then put him into Auckland for the rest of this MPC season and apply that same theory to some of those other squad members. I cannot see any competition around the world where your best players just don't play. Yeah, frustrating. I think it's frustrating on two levels, like for the players as well, that you know some of them are desperate for some footy. But... When you like at at the All Black level, you, let's look, look at someone like um, Roger, right? Um, does he want he wants to play for the All Blacks, right? He wants to be top of the game, so he needs to be in that environment to learn his skills as as one of the younger players who hasn't been around for a long time, right? So he needs to be there, learning his skills, learning what they do, learning situations, learning the moves. Um, so it's probably better for him to be in that All Black environment. So when he does get his chance. He's ready to rumble and not unprepared. But, but some of the older guys, a game like a game, Steve, and weights in the gym, they don't push back. Yeah, I'm just, I'm. There's a lot to a game of rugby these days. There's a lot, there's a lot to be learned and a lot of, you know, what to do in this situation. And I, as a player, if I was, um, I would rather be learning the All Black system, waiting for my chance to get that chance so I am 100% on top of my game in that system alright yep. yes I still need to be playing footy but may, maybe to have Monday, Tuesday, but, Wednesday with the All Blacks but, and then drop out and have Thursday, well, Friday I, I, I don't disagree with that so my point being so maybe they should name these teams on Tuesday and then release the rest of these players because some of these guys haven't really played rugby for three months this is the rugby season three months I understand what you're saying here and I'd probably be in a little bit more agreement if as we said, club rugby was strong if there was more interest in the MPC. But we've got the MPC struggling. People are not turning up. Viewing numbers are down. And we've got our top rugby players, our our, our you know, our marketing 
of the game sitting on the damn bench. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It's a it's a fine line between um, you know what's right for the spectator as well and what's right for the player. Um, it, it's tough. I, I can see. I can't see why some of these All Black boys who are not involved in the 22, 23-man squad, you take a couple of extras just in case for Saturday. Um, particularly if you're playing in Auckland and you're from Auckland, then you should be released to play. If the test, you know, if the test is in Christchurch and you're going to be in Christchurch anyway, then then released to play for for your. Um, a provincial team and then you're still sweet to sit on the bench or or not some of the guys are not even sitting on the bench they're just in the in the stand helping with warm-up type stuff you know in case someone gets injured in a warm-up which is a pretty rarity um yeah yeah it's it's tough if you've been with the if you've been with the team three or four years um i i just release them and, and give them a run let them do monday tuesday wednesday let them be the fodder during the all-black week get the stuff they need done and then then give them a game of footy because they're good enough to turn out in uh, MPC and play for the provincial teams with with a captain's run. 19 minutes away from 2, 0800 150 having a sort of an MPC rugby discussion here with uh, former All Black Steve Devine. If you want to be part of it, we'd love to hear from you. You can text thoughts and bring some really good texts that have come through um, on double eight double three. just updating that. New Zealand Secondary Schools Rugby Final for you. Napier Boys High School leading Hamilton, 12-5. 44 minutes gone in that. Remember, they just played the 35 minutes each way, so still a very intriguing 25 minutes remaining. You'd have to say at the moment, maybe, maybe the upset is on the cards. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back with more. Coming up to 14 minutes away from two, you're listening to SENZ. This is the Rugby Run. Mark Watson uh, in studio. Also, we have Steve Devine. We are taking your calls on 0800 150 We are going to talk a little bit of Bledisloe Carp. We'll talk some sevens as well. And we'll continue just a general rugby discussion going right through to three. Peter Mears out of Australia, round about two o'clock. Uh, Jesse, good afternoon. Welcome. Uh, good afternoon, Mark. Hey, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Good. You're phoning from Perth, Jesse. I'm calling from Perth, yep. I'm calling from Perth. I heard you lads on. I thought, I'm giving the bros a call. Now, we'll have a chat to Steve, because we've spoken a lot. G'day, mate. <laughs> Hello, Stevie. Hello, Stevie. Hey, Steve, I, I wanted to um, commend you, mate, on your on your career. You were a wonderful player to watch. Thank you. To watch. Are you uh, sure it's Jesse from Perth and not Steve's <laughs> dad from Australia? My, yeah. It's not, th- nah, it's not. Hey, my question for you guys this morning, with the All Blacks, obviously sort of stop starting, well, it's an understatement, isn't it, sort of to get the year underway. But what's the pass mark from here for the boys? Do they, If they drop another game, is it a failed season? Oh, it's, a failed, it's a failed season already, in my opinion. Uh, uh, look, I'll, ask, I'll give you my thing and then I'll throw it back to Steve. But for, for me to be moderately happy, we need to win the Bledisloe two matches. We need to go win Japan, Scotland, Wales and England. And I personally can't see that happening. Steve? Yeah, I think pretty disappointing to drop a test series at home. Firstly, that was um, that was hugely disappointing. Um, right now, um, do I see the team having improved over the last month or so? Yes. Um, are we on top of the um, what do we call it rugby championship these days? Yes. So. Uh, right now, we just need to improve, and I, I can see improvements in the team already, which excites me. Um, I think the changes the team have added in terms of Joe Schmidt and Jason Ryan have been huge, and I, I can see I can see changes, and I can see improvement, and uh, that gives me hope. I, I didn't have hope for a few years. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I think I think that they've, they've they've turned a corner, but I you wonder if Argentina were horrible in the wet. Yeah, but Jesse, I mean, you say we've turned a corner, and I say this with the greatest respect, but have we really lowered our standards now that Argentina is the pass mark? We're now using Argentina to determine whether we're good or not. I'm sorry, I just don't buy into that. I, I, I'm not. I've got no more of an understanding of where this All Black team is off the, than we were after the back of the Island series. For for me, we're not going to bring back. Look, as long as we don't bring back the dual pivot and we don't go side to side, I'll um, you know won't have to double my medication. Yeah, mate. For me, I just find uh, international rugby right now, as it stands, you have to, there's a few key things you have to do, or you won't win the game. Full stop. One is win your own ball and be able to consistently win your own ball, and we haven't been able to do that. And I just I've seen Joe Schmidt turn the Blues around in terms of attack and just being able to continually hang on to the ball. That's a big one for me. And the others get over the advantage line. When an All Black team gets over the advantage line, you're you're gonna you're gonna struggle. Um, and yeah. too long over the last three years, um, we haven't been able to do that. Um, Jason Ryan um, has also been a pretty big influence over the last month or so, and so. Um, I'm starting to see that we did that comfortably against a big, strong Argentinian team in the second test, and it uh, just goes to show if you can get good ball over the advantage line, you're going to go a long way to winning a game of rugby. And I think, I think you know the flick has been switched in the All Blacks, and I hope it has. And mm. uh, it's going to be interesting when it comes to the Aussies because the Aussies on their day, you know, they can be physical and they can rumble, but um, yeah, we we should be able to back ourselves to get over the top of them. Well, they're going to have a big. They're going to be playing. A, it's. Where are they play, playing? Is it MCG? Uh, no, it's uh, Marvel. Whatever Marvel's court is that that one? Oh, is that the one with the roof on it? It's not aimed. Yeah, it's the other one, yeah. isn't well, it? It's the indoor stadium that can be opened. Yeah, they've got such wonderful the Aussies, facilities. The Aussies will be up. The Aussies will be up for it. They'll get. You know, they'll they'll feel like they've got a chance. We'll see how we. Oh, go. they've got more than a chance. They've got the best chance in twenty years of winning the Bledisloe, in my opinion. I, I just think no, we. The, the, world rugby, world rugby, right now, you you cannot try and win a game of rugby and actually go a long way to win it by just kicking the ball away the whole time. I yeah. think I think when yeah. we get tests between Australia and New Zealand, both teams actually go out and try and win. So I think it's going to be it'll it'll be a good event and you know Southern Hemisphere, true Southern Hemisphere style, not the African and Argy style, the true Southern Hemisphere style. Aussie New Zealand, there's going to be a bit of run in rugby, and you know that's that's. Great for both teams. I think, you know, both teams are a chance on their day. Both teams are a chance. Last question for you, lads. It's a world, we make the World Cup final. All things go well. Who's starting at number 10? Is it Richie or is it Bowden? Oh, it's Richie Mwanga, in my opinion. Mind you, I, I, look, to be honest, mate, I know this is going to sound ridiculous. I actually just want to see Stephen Perifetta have a run at first five too. I just want to see if we in fact do have depth and if we've got another option there as well because I think Bowden Barrett doesn't know how to read a game plan and I don't think Stephen Perifetta at the moment the lines come up flat and there's pressure on him. I think he goes missing. But Steve, I mean, you've played at this level, mate. I'm only looking at through the eyes of um, probably an uninformed fan. Um, I'm, a, I'm a Barrett fan over over the two. For, only for this one reason is I think I think Barrett is a better player if the Ford pack is not going forward. I think Moanga really struggles. Um, you look at the games when they've really struggled to go forward, and he's been at ten. He's he's personally struggled himself, so he doesn't get a lot of rugby going backwards. He plays for the Crusaders; they don't go backwards yeah. ever, you know. So he hasn't had a lot of that. I think Barrett's just a little bit better when they go backwards. And some 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 games, the big Test matches against those big Northern Hemisphere teams, you you don't always go forward. 
But if we get to quarterfinal, semi-final time and our forward pack's going backwards, there's probably a good chance we're not going to be in that final. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, look what the Irish did to us, right? Um, for th- those three te- yeah. well, two tests out of the three, we went backwards. Uh, you know, RG got on top of us, we went backwards. South Africa got on top of us, we went backwards. So, yeah, that's what happens in the big games. And our, I would prefer to have Barrett there. He's a little bit better uh, going backwards than going forwards for me. That's that's just my personal opinion. Hey, lovely to have you on the program. Hey, just based on that then, who's your halfback if the backs are going forward, if the, if the forward pack's going back? Uh, Christy. Yep. I know you're a big fan of him, eh? Yeah. Why? Just, just provide what he offers when the forward pack versus what... Is, is Aaron Smith now, has he just reduced himself to the quick pass? Is that his game well, now? I, I don't think it's even that quick anymore. You look at what Christie does when he comes on in the last 10 minutes, there's just speed. There's just speed. at the. He's to the ball faster. But is he just and not utilising fatigue, though? Oh, no. I just I just think he, he's... Uh, Christie is the uh, Smith of seven years ago. He's just he's just a bit quicker, and and that's what it is to me. You you can you can um, once defensive teams are set, you you're going to struggle, right? The big the big teams once they're set, you give them a couple of seconds at the ruck to get set, they're getting some line speed on you, in some trouble. And Christie, Christie, speed beats size and power, right? For me, every day of the week, speed. Having him there just gives you that little bit, it's a little bit quicker, a little bit sharper, and you're over the bench line. I, I want to maybe have this discussion after two o'clock, but I don't care what anyone says. I still do not believe that Rico Wani against a quality international side is a centre. I think he's the best winger in the world, and in a perfect situation, you have Anton Leonard-Brown and Jack Goodyear as your midfield combination, mate. And as long as we continue to believe Rico Awani is our centre, yes, he looks good against sides that drop their head. I think we're always going to beat Argentina. He looked good there, but I'm not convinced. I think Rico Awani is the best 23-year-old centre in the world. Um, and the difference is, is you're, you're talking about the other guys are experienced campaigners, and he's still, he's still a kid. Um, I, I think he's going to be the best player in the world. At centre. At centre. He, he's a super athlete, right? And he just needs – he's just so young. You just – you can't – you just can't throw kids into that deep end and expect them to perform he's week in, week in. He's played a lot of tests in the He's played a lot of tests. He's been in that yep. environment and for a he, long and he's time, getting, Look what he did last test. Look what he did. He's got the performances there. He just – he's still trying to get on top of yeah, week in, week out. He'll Steve, get there. it's Argentina. Yeah, he'll get there. You watch. He'll get there. You just got to give him some time. We've got um, Callum sitting in here in studio. Callum, I'm going to. Can we just chat, Callum? I want to get Callum's thoughts on this. Callum, just give me an honest, honest appraisal, mate, of what we've just talked about. No favouritism here. Just tell me what you think. Well, I think Rico Ioane does offer a lot in the midfield, but I tend to agree with you as well. I think he probably is the best winger in the world, but bar Will Jordan. So now we should Will Jordan be playing. But probably should be playing at fullback though. I've said that last week. Oh, Will, Will Jordan should be snapped. for attack. For attack, Will Jordan should be at fullback, and for defence, he put him on the wing, and it gives um, Jordy a chance to be at the back with a bit extra height for the kicks and a big kicking game. So, yeah, I, I just think you've got an X factor player. Not, not it, there'll never be a Christian Cullen in terms of absolute slicing side apart, but he's a beautifully balanced run. A little bit like the conversation with Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Give him some room. Give him some time. Look, I think Jordy Barrett's good, but. Yeah, I, I just think we need a little bit more. It doesn't take much to change them from attack to defence, right? It doesn't take a lot to put Will Jordan on attack at fullback, and I just think you get so many better options. You get a you get a roving guy who's quick, running holes across the whole field, and that's for me that's brilliant. Well, yeah, they talked about developing like a hybrid role for him, and you haven't really no. seen him implement it yet, have they? No, so. but this is the, when you when I hear when I hear. Um, Ian Foster talking about a hybrid role. I just just <laughs> resign, mate. Just resign. Anyway, four minutes away from two. We'll continue the discussion. Peter Mears coming up after two.
It is coming up to, well, it is, in fact, after two o'clock. It is one minute after two. No um, Justin Marshall. Um, we've got another halfback in studio, Steve Smarter. Devine. Smarter, Smarter, he reckons. Smarter, he reckons he's better looking as well. And let's be fair, I don't have quite the cool, long rock style here that Ricardo has, but let's be honest, probably slightly better looking too. Face for TV, not radio. Anyway, this is the rugby run. We are talking rugby. And we're going to head to Australia now, catch up with an icon of Australian broadcasting, uh, Peter Mears. Peter, good afternoon. Welcome. G'day, what are, how are you, mate? Yeah, good. Steve Devine alongside of me, another one of your fellow countrymen who was probably the smartest Australian I've ever met because he decided to come here, live and play for the All Blacks. Toughest little halfback we had from Tippy. <laughs> I'm glad you kicked me out. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, good to see you, Steve. Hey, hey Peter. Look, realistically, is this the best chance the Wallabies have got of winning the Bledisloe in 20 years? I would say yes. <laughs> Given the inconsistent form of the All Blacks, losing six of the last nine. But mind you, the Wallabies have been up and down too, haven't they? If you go with the pattern, win one, lose one, win one, lose one, which they've done in three series against England, Argentina and South Africa, they should win the first test against New Zealand. But... Having seen what's happened in recent years, I'm not confident. Yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about the first one because the Wallabies were woeful um, in that second test against Africa uh, last time around. They, were, they just didn't turn up to play at all. So just like, mm. just like the All Blacks didn't turn up against Argy in the first test, um, we turned up in the second one. So it's, it's about that attitude thing, and I just know the, the Wallabies would be hurt by that performance because they, they were a long way from their best. Peter, do you get a sense, though, that if there's one team the Wallabies will lift against, lift against more so than any other side, it is us? Absolutely. I think um, you can forget the uh, rugby championship. It's the Bledisloe that Australia is very conscious of our dreadful record for two decades. I mean, the last time we won the Bledisloe, most kids, uh, you know, were just in short, in, in nappies. The, the kids are watching rugby these days, the young ones. I know it was a while ago, mate, because I, I played in the game. You did? Yeah. Yes. Well, that was a feather in your cap, Steve. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? It was <laughs> bloody fantastic. It was like yesterday. Why, why, do you think, why do you think Australia won in that era? Uh, I think they had some remarkable players in that era. I think uh, the Larkhams, um, the Gregans, Finnegans, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, to be a world-class team, you've got to have world-class players and... Um, I just think um, – I, I also believe that uh, having three super teams back then was, was a huge part of it to building uh, really serious combinations and to having I just yeah. think I just think you're spread a little bit too thin over there at the moment and you, and you really struggle with combinations. Yeah, I did a rugby lunch at Noosa yesterday with Campo. Oh, yeah. He said exactly the same thing because when he played, there were only three Australian teams and Australia used to hold their own against New Zealand. But it seems we've had such a drought since we've gone to five teams. Yeah. Yeah, certainly you just you're just too thin and you um you know you you can have re- three really good teams in Australia and um you know New Zealand look at New Zealand rugby this year um with the introduction of uh, the Mono Pacifica team that's almost the sixth team that took a lot of people out of club rugby took a lot of people on the fringes into that team and and it thinned us out a little bit as well. A few teams late in the competition the Highlanders particularly started getting some injuries and with a sixth team over here, you just you, you really struggle for fodder at the at you know the the dark ends when you when you have a few 
key uh, injuries in those big positions, you you know, our death, we struggled this year in New Zealand as well. Mm. Hey, um, Peter, so when you run across the squad or the, the, the 23, however it might look when this team is announced, what has impressed you about this Wallaby team this year? Where are the strengths first? Well, there's one player who's been an absolute all-star, Marika Corombetti, who uh, would have gone into any World 15 on his performances. That uh, try-saving tackle on Mapimpi in the last game was an absolute classic. But uh, he has been backed up by other lesser lights, I suppose you might say. Uh, Rob Valentini's been outstanding. It's the best year he's had in Test Rugby. Jed Holloway's come into the pack and added a bit of starch. Uh, Michael Hooper's always terrific, but he's had to pull out because of mental frailties. And Fraser McWright's come in and made a huge impact, I think. Three tries so far for the little fellow from Queensland. Um, you know, Hunter Paisami, the centres have gone well, Lenny Katow. But the inconsistency is what worries me. And it's not just Australia. Of course, New Zealand's inconsistency is staggering. I've never known the All Blacks to be so unreliable and... Oh, it's, it, Peter, like, it's, uh, not, it's not lost on the New Zealand public, I can tell you that. Yeah. Well, don't you think what are the most difficult things for the All Blacks is the criticism from their, their own country, their own media, because they expect so much. Well, but that's always been the way. And anybody that's come along and thinks suddenly um, that Ian Foster, it's been unfair and it's somehow been different, it's not. I mean, I remember the days of Laurie Maines under all sorts of scrutiny, John Hart for a period there. That's just the way it is, and that's the way it should always be. And the day that the New Zealand public and the media stop caring, stop asking the hard questions... Uh, we're going to be in real, real trouble, Peter. Uh, look, just coming back, though, I asked you about your strengths. What, you know, and you're talking about the inconsistencies, but where are the areas that are leading Australia down at the moment? Well, the scrum's been strangely unreliable and it had been in terrific nick leading up to uh, this rugby championship. And I put a lot of it down to the enigmatic Taniela Tupo. As you know, he's Kiwi born, he's 135 kilos. When he's fit, he's a force of nature. He hasn't been bested in the, the local Super Rugby uh, by any other prop that I've seen this season. But uh, with the birth of his first child, he had a month off. And I don't know what he was doing, probably sitting on the sofa and eating Kentucky Fried or something, but he's certainly gone backwards in his fitness and his form, his confidence. Uh, his set piece hasn't been as good as it normally is. And if you could put it down to one person, but of course, as you know, a scrum isn't. It's, it's eight people who pack together, and it's been um, there's been a lot of changes because of injuries. And we're, I'm pleased to see that Cater and Neville's been selected in the squad. He's a standout in the lineouts, and um, you know the the squad's actually looking pretty good. I think Swain and Frost are pretty good backups to Matt Phillip in the second row and the lineouts in particular. So that's to me been the source of the problem that if you're not winning up front particularly against teams like New Zealand and South Africa, you're no chance even if you've got the best back line in the world Yeah, that, that, that's always been over probably the last 10 years has been the, the frailty of the Wallaby pack that sort of has brought them undone, so they have made some changes there. Um, you know, the, the the new locks that have come in this year, I think, have added a lot to to the Wallaby team. They can um, they're not not scared to carry the ball and carry hard. Um, mate, halfback. Do you think um, Nick Nick White's performance last test was was woeful? Um, obviously, he had a bit playing on his mind from from when he almost died against Fluff to Kirk. 
Um, do you, who's going to play nine? Would you bring in? Would you go? Would you go and try and win the Bledisloe Cup and bring in um, someone like Tate McDermott to actually throw some attacking firepower out there? Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Tate McDermott's the best running halfback. If you're going to be hypercritical, you'd say his box kick is not up to the standard of someone like Nick White. But Nick White's become very predictable, and his box kick, to me, isn't a positive for the Wallabies. The strength of the Wallabies are their running backs, and they've got to get the ball to them as much as they can, particularly out in the flanks, the back three. Uh, Tate McDermott, to me, deserves a go, but whether or not he'll be any better than Nick White remains to be seen. Do you, do you throw the kitchen sink at an attacking team and, and try and win it in, in Melbourne, or do you play conservative? Yeah, I reckon throw the kitchen sink. What have you got to lose? I mean, if Australia doesn't win both games, New Zealand's going to take the Bledisloe because they hold it, of course. Uh, so we've got to throw our best attacking team onto the field and hope the forwards can give them enough prunes so that they can score tries, which they did against the South Africans really surprised me how well they played against South Africa in the first test because the South Africans have had a pretty good record and they're the world champions at the moment. Yeah. So uh, the backs have got the ability. There's not a lot of experience there, but when they start firing, they're pretty good to watch, aren't they? Yeah, I thought the Africans were terrible in that first test. I, I thought it was more the Africans losing their match than, than the Aussies winning it. But, um uh, Peter, I'm with you. I, I think the Wallaby team just need to pick the most attacking, dynamic team they can and just go for broke, um, give themselves a chance and just attack, attack hard out. And I, I think that's their best chance to um, beat this New Zealand team. Yeah, I think the weakness with the backs, if you're going to pinpoint anything, uh, players being unavailable, I suppose. Fly half's been a bit of a problem with um, Quade Cooper getting an injury. He was in such terrific form. And Noah Lolasio is only 22 and the selectors didn't seem to have any faith in him because they dropped him after one bad game. So he would have gone down in confidence. Uh, James O'Connor was strangely out of form and so he's been discarded completely. But I think fullback is the key because all the teams now use the box kick a lot, particularly the South Africans. And none of the three that they've tried, or four in fact, they've tried Hodge, Wright, Kellaway, Pattaya, None of them has sealed the position for themselves. And I might sound biased, but I'd like to see Jock Campbell, the Reds fullback, get a go because he's safe under the high ball and he's elusive in attack. He's really one for the future. Yeah, he's, he's certainly a talented footy player. Um, yeah, but you're right. He probably deserves to have a crack. And like I said before, I, I'd, I'd throw the kitchen sink at this test. I'd just go all out attack. And um, that's where I'd be looking to, you know, I'd get on the outside of the All Blacks. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about that. If you're Dave Rennie um, there, Peter, you've seen how Ireland have beaten the All Blacks. You saw how South Africa beat them in that first test, Argentina. I mean, the blueprint, even last year on the end of the year tour, the blueprint is there. And is it just a simple case of just getting that early ascendancy, just winning that breakdown, just you know, fronting up and just throwing body and body. And does Australia have the ability to do it? And making a good start, that's been their problem. When they've lost, It's if you look at the uh, pattern, it's because they've started so badly and before they know it, they're 10, 12 points down. Uh, it was noticeable against South Africa how pumped they were. They were really amped in the first 40 minutes and they dominated that first test against South Africa who strangely just 
stuck to their old pattern of forward dominance and box kicking and never gave their backs a run. But they woke up in the second test. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I, it's it's going to come down to the two forward packs, right? At the end of the day, who who gets up front? Who gets the um, the go forward? I've I've always said against uh, against the Wallabies, you know, don't um, don't try and run around them too much. Try and go over the top of them because that's that's their weakness over, over the last few years is is tr- just running clean straight over the top of them. And I, I think that's hopefully that's what the All Black team will bring uh, Thursday night. You've lost a couple of key players in Savara and Frizzell. Do you think the All Black problem has been similar to the Wallabies, the inconsistency in selection? Yeah, I, I, I'm, for the for the All Blacks, I just feel like not everyone on the field has been on the same page across um, the, the best part of the last three years. I think uh, a couple of uh, a couple of changes to our coaching staff over here, is, as I've seen in the last two games, although we dropped one to Argentina at home, I, I, I feel like there's a bit more of a pattern. We we were just beaten by a better team on the night and didn't prepare well enough. So. Um, yeah, I, I think I think our game is changing. I think we're looking. I think we're looking better. I think we're looking stronger. I just um, I just hope we can get on the front foot. I, I hope we play Barrett at six. Um, he adds he adds a bit of mongrel and a bit of firepower at six position. I like he that. He lacks discipline though, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he can do. He can do. Um, I, I think Hoskins at two two will get a run at eight. Um, I certainly hope so. Um, yeah, and it's just going to be—it's just going to be a, a bit of a, a bit of a tug of war up front. Um, hopefully, um, your backs can, can get on top like they did in the second test against Argy and, and and give them a good rumble. You know. Now, Peter, I understand that lovely wife of yours wants to take you out for dinner during that Bledisloe Cup match. Are you going to go with her? Or are you going to watch the game? <laughs> Come on, mate! I'm putting yeah, you on the spot here, Peter. Now you, she's probably in the background, so I want. Yeah, you can... she is in the background, probably listening to every word, Watto, and she remembers having dinner with you. Yeah. When you were here for the Commonwealth Games and the Gold Coast, yeah. and enjoyed your company very much, yeah. but uh, mate, I'll be watching the game. Good on. to it, obviously. Now, good on you. And mate. one thing I haven't mentioned uh, about this Wallaby team is the absence of Michael Hooper. I think we can't underestimate what a pillar of uh, a rock you know he's been for the Wallabies, both in the pack uh, as a player and as a leader. And James Slipper's taken over as captain and done a pretty good job, but losing Hooper was a huge blow for the Wallabies. And if there's any excuse, I suppose it could be laid at the feet of the leaders. How, um, mate? How are ticket sales looking in Melbourne? Is it sold out? Is it what's? Is it? Is there much talk and Melbourne hyper? Melbourne people, Steve. Melbourne people would go to the opening of an envelope. You always <laughs> guarantee good yeah. crowd there. Okay, so she's sold out. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Peter, we'll, we'll let you go, mate. What's the weather like there on the coast? Are you central or sunshine? You're central. Uh, sunshine coast. Sunshine yeah, coast, yeah. Sort of central sunshine. Yeah. Just, just south of Noosa, we live. It's been terrible weather, Watto. It's been so changeable, a lot of rain, uh, cool weather. We had a sunny, warm day yesterday, but it's the first one we've had this spring. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, look, I might... So hold off for you. I'm, Your Noosa holiday for yeah, a couple of weeks. I might, I might be over there around Christmas time, so if I get a chance, it would be lovely to try and catch up. Peter, as always, thank you for your time this afternoon on the program. Greatly appreciated. It's a pleasure, mate. See you, Steve. Cheers. Cheers, Peter. There you go. Peter Mears, Australian rugby broadcaster, joining us previewing the Bledisloe Cup. You might want to have your say on this. 0800 150 Does Scott Barrett move into the six jersey? I guess it's two of the other alternatives. Um, no Artie Sevilla, huge blow. Because I think 
as bad as the All Blacks have been, I still think he's the best rugby player in the world at the moment. In the world. I, I, I mean, you might, sometimes you don't have 14 other guys around you, but this guy, week in, week out, would walk into any side in the world and even on bad days has looked, has looked supreme. So does Hoskins Satudu come in at eight? He hasn't played a lot of rugby. Steve rates him highly, thinks he's the best eight in the country. Any other changes that you would make? Any other talking points there, Steve? Uh, yeah, I think eight and, and maybe maybe wing. Um, wing is wing is always open for a bit of a debate at the moment. But yeah, I you're certainly not, like you're not convinced on Caleb or no, no. I think okay, Caleb chooses his spot. I just think the other wing. I'd, I'd like to see um, Will Jordan at fullback and maybe Geordie go onto the wing. Um, I I'd put, just put Geordie on the bench and bring in a. I think you need Geordie for his under the his, high ball. His size and high ball is good. He's Australia long. Are you going to kick it away though? Long range goal kicking. Um, Geordie's a weapon. He can run. He, he's just a, he's more of a brute. He's more of a sledgehammer than a Will Jordan, who's uh, a Christian Cullen is going to find a hole and you're going to run him into the hole. You know. If I had known you'd been halfback in that loss on the Bledisloe, I wouldn't have you in here, mate. This show's about winners, mate. No, no, we didn't. I didn't lose Bledisloe. I won two from two. Okay. So we won the New Zealand won the Bledisloe in two thousand and three. So did I misinterpret? I thought you said you played in the losing Bledisloe. No, I was a, no, no, no. I, was a, I played in the winners when we won it off them. Oh, right after John Eels yes. took it off us in Wellington. Yeah. So in two thousand and three, okay, we, so we can won it. I understand why you're alongside of me now, Steve. And then haven't lost it there since. Go. Yeah, because we only have winners. I just, anymore, I just enjoy rubbing it into Aussies. <laughs> I've got myself in a bit of a predicament uh, for the test here in Auckland. Uh, I have thirty mates coming over. From Aussie. Uh, so that is going to be, gee, I hope we win that weekend. I do too. Eden yeah. Park, haven't lost since 94. Well, it's, the only, it's the only record Stu Foster doesn't have, right? <laughs> 19 minutes after two. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. Steve Devine in studio. We are, this is the Rugby Run. We are talking all things rugby. If you do want to touch a little bit on the um, MPC, uh, I can tell you Hamilton Boys High School have just won the New Zealand Secondary School Scott 4 title, trying the very last minute to beat Napier 17-15 and literally scored in the very last minute of play in a very, very closely fought contest. We've got Taranaki taking on Tasman at the moment. Taranaki leading that three points to nil. And in the other game, Wellington playing Otago and it is Wellington leading Otago 12 points to nil at the moment. But the lines are open. If you want to have your say, we are taking your calls. You can keep your texts coming. They've been really good texts. Double eight, double three. Uh, Steve Devine in studio. This is the Rugby Run. Just a reminder, after three, we're going to just do a little bit of a countdown. We've got live cricket coverage for you from four o'clock this afternoon, the third one-day international in the Chapel Hadley. We'll also talk some motorsport. Big day tomorrow. Big day tomorrow in the Indy Cars by Scott Dixon. Scotty McLaughlin still on with a chance of winning the overall championship. David Turner on the programme after 3.30. Now, we've got a couple of... um, uh, oh God, I always forget the name of the damn tournament. I ten cup, might have ten cup. Thanks. It's actually just the Bunnings now, MPC, isn't it? I, I do like the way we've gone back to the MPC. Anyway, we've got Wellington playing Otago. Fifteen minutes gone in that twelve nil Wellington lead. In the other game, it is Tasman now leading Taranaki five three. Seventeen minutes gone. But one player that we've just been talking about during the break, and I liked him for the Chiefs earlier in the year during Super Rugby, and that is Alex Nankerville. And I think Nankerville wouldn't look out of place in an all-black backline, or certainly wouldn't surprise too many people if he was named in an all-black squad. Why is he not sexy enough to be in this all-black team, Steve Devine? He must have gone close. He must have been very, very close to selection. Um, yeah, he, he's a class He's a class act. He runs great lines uh, on attack. He tackles all day. 
Uh, he's never let anyone down ever. I just think um, right now probably uh, they have a 12 in David Havili who can kick quite well. I think probably that's the only thing keeping him out right now. But you look, it's probably one of the bigger reasons uh, Rogers not involved in the All Blacks as much over the last couple of months is probably probably his kicking game. So where do you see Nankovil? Second five or centre? Uh, he can play either. He can play either. He's, he's man, he, he runs great lines. He's, he's a talented, talented football player and I think he's just going to get better and better. Okay, so... Rico Awani gets himself injured. Jack Goodyear's still out. Anton Leonard-Brown's not available. We've got David Harvey, fullback, come second 5'8". Geordie Barrett, some people are saying, could potentially play second 5'8 as well. Would an injury to Rico Awani possibly bring Nankerville into the frame? Uh, he'd, he'd be there. He'd be very much there or thereabouts. Uh, either him or Thomas Umunga Jensen would be the other uh, midfield option uh, that I thought had an amazing super campaign. But again, pretty injury prone. Mm. Um, yeah, they don't. There's 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 quite a few midfielders out right now, which um, makes you go quite deep. But when they're all back, there's there's going to be uh, certainly competition going around next year. Mm. Now, look, if you want to have your say on the Bledisloe Cup, but it's a Thursday night. Oh, I like the fact it's a Thursday it gives me something to what, look forward to on a Thursday night. What else do we have to do on a Thursday night? Well, that's right, that's right. Um, yeah, Melbourne. Um, some people saying, why have we learned? Well, Melbourne just don't care. Why are we taking it? Being forced to play it on a Thursday night. But as you alluded to, it's actually a carryover from. From COVID. COVID, so they've just got contractual obligations. But one thing I think we saw during Super Rugby when they had that Super Round, stop trying to take rugby to Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne will turn up to watch anything at the big stadiums and, um, you know. But you're you're right in that playoff time. Especially playoff times. You know, taking... Taking all the super teams to Melbourne was a, was a sideshow. That should have never happened. You know, it should have been Brisbane or Sydney if we're going to go to Aussie. Um, hell, it would have, they would have got a better crowds in Suva. Um, yeah, I, Mel, that was a debacle. That shouldn't have happened. But you know, people from Sydney and um, Queensland, New South Wales, yeah. they will they will go down for the match. I would imagine and they've sold it out, so it can't be can't be that bad of an idea. Hey, I, I want to throw this one at you because I'm I come from a you know high performance background, quite a broadcasting. I'm aware of. Preparation. I'm aware of that combination of between sometimes being slightly confident, a little bit of arrogance, whatever you need to get yourself up, nervous system up. All Blacks, more often than not, don't tend to start well in a lot of test matches. I look at the energy, I look at the adrenaline put into the haka. It's there for commercial reasons. Is that detrimental from a performance point of view, getting yourself that wound up in a haka? Take all the tradition out of it, just look at it purely from a performance point of view. Um, I, well, I can only speak maybe from me personally when I did it it was uh, yeah it was awesome you were, you were ready you were ready to rumble afterwards there's no doubt about that um, could you hold that I mean adrenaline picks you up it also brings you down that's a bit like insulin yeah it can it can take you over the top like you know being underprepared is, is almost as bad as being overprepared and, and thinking about it too much so I guess it's you know it's about f- the individuals find the balance the All Blacks haven't started well particularly against um Particularly against Ireland, but let's face it, that Irish team was a was a pretty damn good team, and they um, they're on top of their game right now. So we, were, I feel like we were always chasing them. Um, yeah, I, 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 personal, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you don't think it's detrimental. You I don't, don't think, think it's I a reason think, why we don't start well. I don't think, I don't think so. No, I think, um, I just think we're not quite all on the same page. We have been this year, the All Blacks. I just. That comes from it's the top. Funny, it's funny though, isn't it? So you drop two tests against the well, you drop a test to the Irish, and you said that we're not on the same page. And then the following week, you'd think that that would be addressed, and it wasn't. Oh. Then we go to South Africa, and we lose a test over there. 
you'd think that would have been addressed and it didn't. And then we do win a test, and clearly it's taken, what, three weeks then or four weeks to finally get the message through, only then to come home and drop a test to Argentina. Uh, if, if, you've got to start questioning the mentality of, of the players. Yeah, I mean, I, I can go back to last year. Like, I was asking these questions so what, last year, what, as, and all all's we get out of the coaching staff last year was, oh, we've got a plan, and they, they didn't quite execute it. Well, I, I, I haven't seen a plan. I've seen a plan in the last two games, but I haven't seen a plan for, for three years with the All Blacks. So you still put it down onto the coaches? Uh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. And I, I think I think we've turned the corner. Because of Schmidt and because of Jason Ryan? Well, look what Jason Ryan did within a month. You know, we had two weeks with a team where they got Africa, in Africa. That first test in Africa, we lost. But the Africans didn't score a try from a rolling moor in that test. And that's the first time they hadn't done that in like four years. Come the end of the year to it, Japan, and let's not put a second-string team out against Japan. We need the test build-up because we've got to play Wales, Scotland and England, and we don't want to come in not having played and getting the combinations right. But I know we'll give the two of us a check so whoever goes in that wider squad an opportunity against Japan. But once that we see Joe Schmidt, we see Jason Ryan well and truly now part of this coaching setup, and you'd like to think have a big say on the selection side of it. Do you think we're going to see a different group of players come in from what we've seen oh. under Ian Foster? Do you think 100%. they will go? They will go outside of that look group. At, look at the front row already; it's changed. Um, the two new props. Um, we've got a new hooker, new starting. So we've got a new front row already. There's going to be some changes. I, you know, it comes with territory. With new coaches come new players, and they they bring, you know, what they see and and make changes. So, to what areas do you? Could you see some maybe youthful exuberance being injected into this All Black team? And what and who are, we've talked about it, Alex Nangaville. Who are some of the other types of players? Could you see a guy like a Tom Robertson coming in? Could you see a young kid like um, Rush possibly being oh, picked I, up? I see Rush as a super athlete. Like I, I, I seen him play two games now, and I just was being blown away both times. So, you know, and soon as I seen him play, I was like, well, big angry number six who can who can rumble is what. The All Blacks are famous. That's what we're famous for, and it's what we haven't had since Squire. Mm. You know, we haven't really had a dominant number six. Uh, mm. Scott Barrett gives us some some firepower. Um, I, I don't mind him at six, but I, I'd like to be seeing him playing six all year rather than being a six option. I think the All Blacks need um, some locks. We've got two very, very, very good locks. Um, but we don't have much behind that. We don't what, what really. About, what, what about a guy like a Sam Derry? Um... Yeah, Derry, Derry be up there. I like Var. Var goes all right. Patrick, Patrick's got to be got to be close to being back. I like Patrick. He carries. He's a big, strong man. He carries hard. Um, um, who's the the guy from Waikato who got injured? Did his knee? Um, the young boy. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, name just escapes him right now. He, I mean, he's good, but he's not going to be back this year. Um, yeah, lock, lock, lock's a situation where we we sort of need some numbers. Um, and lock and six, I reckon. We've got plenty of nines. Hmm. Uh, we've got plenty of tens. I believe we've got some really good young tens. NPC. You talk about physicality at six. Josh Lord was the Josh um, Lord. was the yep. lock. I was pretty. Yep, yep. yep. Taranaki originally wasn't asking yep. when he was picked up. Um, you talk about physicality at six, and we're not going to see the benefits of it at the end of the year tour, but does Ethan Blackout fit your oh, physicality at six? Because yeah. he does mine. Well, there's, no, there's no one more physical than him. 
He's, he's a he's beast. He's a mongrel. He's yeah. a beast. In uh, a nice way. Yep. Uh, it'd be good if he's a little bit taller, but hey, listen, you can't take it all. Uh, he, he's a he's an absolute weapon, uh, and big loss no, this year. no yeah. doubt we've missed him. We, you know, we've, we've we've had a few injuries this year, and um, some big, you know, some big injuries. But Leonard also, Brown it, was another big injury for me. He's just, but it also just reinforces too this crap about trying to build a World Cup four years out. I mean, really, you can't do much really until the three or four months or the year leading in, can you? Because you, you can expose players to give yourself greater depth and have depth that have experienced the environment of being in the All Blacks or the Tess Cauldron. But, you know, next year we could have Anton Leonard Brown back. We could have Jack Goodyear fit and available. We've got Blackadder back. And it starts to look like a very, very different side from this year. Yep, absolutely. And I know there's a, a New Zealand A tour to the UK yep. this year as well. It's going to it's gonna be awesome to give some of these boys a, a bit of a rumble. Um, not in the All Blacks scenario, but, you know, just give them a bit of big game experience. So... Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Injuries is going to be a big part of, you know, imagine if we dropped a couple of tens um, next year. You know, imagine if um, Bodie gets gets injured, um, Moanga gets injured. You know, it doesn't take much to change a campaign pretty quickly. And mm. um, that's probably one reason New Zealand has been pretty dominant. We've, you know, we, we have depth. We have depth. And, you know, imagine if Ireland take a hit to Sexton in Six Nations this year and Sexton's gone for the World Cup, you know, what does that do to Iris' campaign? He also, as I said, with I think with 2019, it was a point that the All Blacks made. It's all very well going into a World Cup as number one in the world, but you've got to handle the expectation. You've got to handle the pressure of being number one. Yeah. And Ireland haven't shown us that they've got the ability to do that. And we know what the French can be like. I mean, brilliant one week and crap the next. Yeah. As good as they can be. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're pretty, they're getting more consistent than the French. And rightly so, they're the number one team in the world. And I think rightly so, the Irish are the number two team in the world. And. You know, they came to New Zealand and handled the big time. They they won a series down here. No one's done it for 20 years. And um, I think I think the Irish are big game performers now. Um, although in saying that, they've made a World Cup semi-final to date. But um, yeah, I, I can't see them making a, not making a semi-final this year. 20, uh, it's 25 minutes away from 3 o'clock. You're listening to SENZ. Telephone number's 0800 150 811. I can tell you that there's Wellington leading Otago at the moment, 19 points to nil, 25 minutes gone in that, and Tasman have just scored. They're leading Taranaki 14-3 with 25 minutes gone in that game. You can text us, double eight, double three. You're listening to the Rugby Run, Mark Watson, Steve Devine alongside of me taking your calls right through for another 15 minutes or so. If you do want to phone the programme, 0800 150 is the number. After three o'clock, we'll talk some cricket, we'll talk some motorsport. 28 minutes gone in the MPC. Tasman leading Taranaki 14-3 in the other game. 29 minutes gone. It is Wellington leading... No, just got another try. So it's 24 points to seven. Conversion to come. 29 minutes gone in that. Steve Devine, the Rugby World Cup Sevens is on underway in South Africa at the moment. New Zealand teams, both the men's and women's. Good news is that they are both into the semi-finals. The men to take on Ireland of all countries and the women to take on France, the team they played at the Olympic Games for the gold medal. Yeah, I think both would be confident and hopefully of, of getting on top out of, out of those semifinals, which would be good. Um, yeah, the the boys, I've seen the boys last few games. They they had a, a good match against Argentina, was pretty tight. Um, but yeah, they did enough to win. And I think they're looking all right. I think they're sort of um, not playing with as many mistakes. I think they've been a little bit more conservative and they... Um, you know, they're just they're they're doing their thing without making those mistakes because sevens, you know, 
all comes down to uh, having the ball and, and being able to hang on to it. It's probably you're probably going to win if if you do it. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's probably been highlighted more by the tragic passing of a former colleague of mine, um, Willie Lysay, and just condolences to the family. And spent a bit of time working with Willie at Newstalk ZB and Radio Sport. And like most people, absolutely gentleman, lovely guy, Calston boys. Um, you know, came from the other side of the tracks and did brilliantly with his broadcasting career. And um, you know, nice to see the teams over there pay tribute to him as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, really, it still seems to the Sevens World Cup still seems to. I don't know, sort of f- fail or fall in importance still behind the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, certainly the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics is the pinnacle, isn't it? Now? Yeah, Olympic medal is, is the pinnacle, I, I guess, for a lot of people. So uh, some teams may be rebuilding and, and whatnot, but, um, yeah, they're always – there just seems to be so many sevens tournaments, right? They've done 12 in the last year, and so they're – you know, and it's the same format and the same – the same sort of rollout, just maybe getting a little bit repetitive. Yeah, and I'd imagine too, because it is any time you take a game and you shorten it right up, it becomes more and more of a game of chance, doesn't it? Certainly amongst the top top sides, and there's a lot more resource being put into it now. Uh, let's be honest, a lot of our sevens players—they're not our best rugby players, but they are more and more becoming um, pure sevens players. And so, yeah, you're not going to fire every week, and it's good that countries all get a chance at winning some of these World Cup circuit games but yeah but then because of that because of the as you said the regularity of it maybe maybe just a little bit of the um, what's the word a little bit of the novelty just starts to disappear yeah well you, you, you're 100% right with the you know just because you're good at 15s doesn't mean you're going to be good at 7s anymore the, the sevens game has changed a lot and it's all about just hanging, having the ball and hanging on to it um yeah, I think you know they play every year, all year, every year, and then then they chuck a World Cup in. I, yeah, I think maybe the World it's almost a World Cup every year, being with that the international tournament they do play. Yeah, well, I mean, I always felt that too. If there's one sevens tournament you want to win, it's always been Hong Kong. Yeah, you know, and every sport should have it. You know, you've got Wimbledon and tennis, you've got Augusta or the Open and golf. Uh, you can sort of pick that. You know, if you want to win a Formula One, you probably want to win Monaco. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I guess that, yeah. There's bigger, there's bigger tournaments yeah. to win, and it would be nice to call yourself a world champion for a few years, right? Right. I, I'll just say so. The New Zealand women's sevens team take on France. That's set to go at seven minutes past ten tonight, and then it is Ireland taking on New Zealand in the men's semi final. That is twenty five minutes to eleven tonight. The other semi final on the women's side is Australia taking on the United States. Set to go at five past eleven, and this should be an absolute humdinger. Uh, on the men's side, it's Australia taking on Fiji. Mm. It'd be hard to get past Fiji, I would have thought, for Australia, but who knows? It is sevens, as we've talked about. Yeah, the, 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 the Aussies are actually turned themselves around. They used to be a bit of a bit of a laughing laughing stock at the sevens, but um, they're, they're actually going pretty good, right? They've they've made um, the Olympic game, uh, the Commonwealth Games, just recently. They're both in the final, so. Yeah, so it's good to see them rumbling at, at rugby at some at some level. It's interesting. I was up at the Coral Coast Sevens in Fiji some, or must be about one of the f- first tournaments about 10 years ago, and I was up there with Carl Tanana and different guys. In fact, um, 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 George Gregan and stuff. And one thing that I noticed up there when it, the women's game was just getting underway, Australia sent up two teams. They sent up the specialist women's sevens team, and then they sent up a team of athletes from other sports wanting to try and transition into sevens. But no time on the many occasions I've been up there did I ever see any New Zealand women's teams up there of any sort 
Fiji had women's teams in the tournament and we started to see women's, you know, they made the semi-finals of the Olympics and almost beat us in that semi-final and they're starting to progress. And it doesn't surprise me that we're starting to see Australia really challenge on the women's side the likes of New Zealand and it just comes back to this sort of sometimes just this little bit of arrogance that New Zealand's rugby showing at times yeah I, I know I know the Aussie the Aussie girls uh, they had a really good sevens team sort of three four years ago really really good uh, and then the uh, NRL kicked off the women's game and they lost most of their players to that so I know the women's team Aussie women's team have gone through a bit of a rebuild but yeah they have big numbers they have big numbers of um, touch and, and sevens players over there. So, you know, it's good to see them get themselves back into being um, in contention again. Um, but, yeah, a lot of those girls will sort of wander from, from the NRL back to sevens and then depending on what year it is and what World Cup's up for grabs. Okay, it is 14 and a half, 13 and a half minutes away from 3 o'clock. Telephone number 0800 150 You can text us here on double eight double three. 35 minutes gone in the MPC. Wellington 26, Otago 7. Wellington really starting to run away with this. In the other game, it is Tasman leading Taranaki with 33 minutes gone in that, 14-6. All right, Steve, we've only got about four and a half minutes left, so give me the all-black team you think they'll pick for the Bledisloe and then give me the all-black team you would pick for the Bledisloe. Okay, I would go... No, what I think they will go will be same as uh, to, last to test. Degree, Lomax, um, Tokilahi at Hooker. Yep. They'll go Whitelock and they go Retallic in yep. locks. Um, Barrett will go to six. Uh, Kane at seven. Kane at seven and they'll have Hosking Satutu at eight. Yep. Uh, same back line. Smith at nine. Smith at nine. Mwanga, Havili, Rico, Caleb on the wing. On the other wing, Will Jordan and Geordie at fullback. That's what I think they go. And this is what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that forward pack. Um, and I'd like to see Christie at nine. Barrett at 10. Roger at 12. Rico at 13. Caleb at uh, on one wing, uh, Will Jordan at fullback, and Geordie Barrett on the other wing. Okay, I like your thing, but I'm still scratching my head on Roger. Why Roger at second five? What's he? What What does he bring? I mean, you've surely got to be question marks over his defensive capabilities. Nah, you don't agree? Nah, no. I reckon he's a good defender. I, I just I just want to see him have a run, and I think um, he's played uh, <laughs> against some Aussie teams. He's played against some Aussie teams, and he he knows what's coming. He's know what he knows what's in front of him, and I, I just want to see him have a run, a good run. Though you're a fan of Rico, only you think he's the best number twenty three or best twenty three year old centre in the world. He's a young man; he's still got a long way to go, but he'll get there, and he'll be the best rugby player in the world. But what impact would Roger have on Rico? I mean, they have played together in the Blues. Did you like the way they played? Together I, I did. In the Blues? I liked. They had a great campaign. The Blues had the best campaign they've had in twenty years. Um, they play well together. Um, together, they know each other. Um, Bodie's there as well. They know each other. Caleb's there as well. They know each other. I just, I just think, I, I just like to see it. I, I know it's not going to happen. Uh, I just, I, I like to see them. I like to see them play together in all black jumper. That that back line. I mm. like to see them have a rumble. And I, and Aussie's the team for them to have a rumble against. Okay, and so to beat Australia, what are, what are the rights that we need, what are the wrongs that we just need to correct? Just remind us what we need to do. To we, we need to, to turn up, we need, the All Black team needs to turn up the, with the attitude of the All Black team like they did in the second test against Argy, like they did in the second test against Africa. They just need to turn up ready to, ready to be mongrels and play hard. Uh, 
with Aussies, I've always found it's important to try not to run around them. You can get, you can get lost with the Aussies and think you're going to run around them, and that's what they want you to do is try and run around them. You've got to be direct and, and go over the top of them. Can I ask you this? Because I, I, I haven't been impressed by Sam Kane. I've never really been a Sam Kane fan. Like He plays well against Argentina and everything's all right. But in my opinion, the great sevens, and you go back to Cromfield, Jones, you go back to McCaw, they play well every test, not one in six. Where do you sit with him? Uh, I... Before the first Irish test this year, I, I couldn't see how he could be selected on form with Super Rugby, uh, particularly with Dalton playing so well. Uh, but since that, I, I haven't doubted him since any of the tests this year. I, I think he's been best to our on-field performer every test this year. Really? Yeah. So, I've just So the role of sevens changed. He's, he's blown me away. His leadership, uh, really? he's, he's taken everything on the chin and he's fronted up, he's tackled. He, he was a little bit underdone at the start of the All Black campaign this year. Um, so, so what are you seeing that the rest of us are not? Oh, mate, I, just think, I think he's been outstanding. He's made his tackles. He gets up. He, he makes them again. He's in the line. He's, he's around everything. I haven't seen Sam Kane run into a hole in a long time. He did it against the Argies last test. You know, we're starting to see this dynamic All Black team make a few changes where people are starting to run into holes. So I, I'm like, I'm liking where they're going. Sam Kane is a leader. Steve Devine, privilege and a pleasure to have you for the last couple of hours. Been, been really good. Thank you. And um, don't worry about the Aussie accent. I'll try and get rid of it by the time they turn up here. <laughs> okay, coming up after three o'clock, we will talk cricket. We will have Garth Galloway on the program. We'll talk motorsport. Um, and we'll keep the lines open too and you can have your say. So coming up to four minutes away from three. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.